If you are someone who has to take out debt, be very intentional and certain that this is the right move. It, it behooves you to spend a little bit of time thinking about that. I think you'll learn more valuable lessons, you know, figuring out how to pay for college and graduate without student debt than you will in the classroom. If you go through that thought experiment, it will force you to think critically in a way that just sitting in classes, it's not required to be successful in college. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Mitchell, welcome to the Better Wealth Podcast. Yeah, man. I'm pumped to be here as a longtime listener and binge binge subscriber. It's it's nice to be on this side. Well, dude, I appreciate your friendship, man. It's been fun just connecting with you. I'm a big, big, big fan of Praxis. You know this. Like from yep. the moment we met, I think I went on this like hour rant about how much I love you guys and how I was like this close to going through your guys' program back in the day. Yep. And then and then we talked about like money and, and it's just realizing that our, the way that we view the world is very similar. Yep. And it's just an honor that you're a part of our community. And also, you were the person that told me to read The Psychology of Money, which I really appreciate that book. And it's very much bettered the way that I communicate and think about money. And so with that, man, how's that for an intro? <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate I appreciate the intro. It is, it is kind of funny. You know, it was like a year and a half ago, I think, that that we were introduced by another mutual uh, friend. And it's funny because sometimes you're out in the world and you feel like you're alone with certain ideas or views about the world. And then suddenly you just you, you collide with somebody else who has other ideas. And it's like, oh, my gosh, there are other people out here who think like me. And it's cool for a lot of reasons. One of them that I'll I'll, I'll give some credit back to you is that when you collide with other people that have similar ideas as you, it, it makes you, it gives you some validation, but more importantly, it gives you a new vocabulary. And sometimes where it's like, I'm searching for more information about these types of things, but I don't know what to type into Google. I don't know what words or terms or, or, or things that will help me find other people. And so I think, um, you know, when, when we met and started talking about a lot of ideas, it's like, I have some of this, like, unarticulated principles that I need the right vocabulary for me to continue to expand my learning. So it's been fun over the last 18 months going down uh, additional rabbit trails that I think I went down after, after some of our conversations. All right. So man, I appreciate that. Let's talk about Praxis because I want, I want this to be shared. By the way, if you're listening to this and you know somebody that's thinking about college, if you have parents that you know that are raising their kids and the whole goal is like get them through college, or if you have a college student that's in college that's maybe not thriving, or someone graduated college and realized, oh, this piece of paper is actually not doing what I thought it was gonna do, I want you to listen up, take notes, and feel free to share this message. And I'm saying this selfishly, like I'm, I'm gonna be your, your best plug man, all right? Because <laughs> I, want, I want people to know about your company. Tell me what is Praxis, why it was why it was created, and like what your mission is. I want that to get out, and then we can talk about college. We can talk about your thoughts on money. You can talk about um the young, like what you're seeing trends wise. People that are doing college alternatives, what what they're doing, the pros and cons of that. Like I really want this to be a fair and balanced. But I it's like I see very little downside in what you guys are doing, and a ton of upside. Yep, Praxis is an apprenticeship program. It's a 12-month program. We work with ambitious, hardworking young adults, match them with full-time paid apprenticeship opportunities at growing businesses. Our 12-month program 
the the big pillars, uh, you know, for for the young adult out there who's who feels like, hey, I'm 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 entrepreneurial. I know I want to go do more than the classroom, or or I haven't really figured out my thing. That's where our program, that's right in our sweet spot because we help people get a better context for the world, how business works, how their interests map onto different career paths. But more importantly, it's about helping people figure out, you know, the the right lens to look at the world through. It's a mindset thing, which is how to be valuable to other people. And I know that that sounds a little bit like vague as to what we do. There's a whole program built around, around that. But I would say one of the most important things is mindset, because once you have the right mindsets, everything else becomes easy to a degree. So as far as like our mission, it's not just to like help people have mindsets. Ultimately, it's, it's to help people discover and do work that makes them come alive. And that's a hard thing. For me, it's like a deep philosophical personal, personal mission because it has taken me my entire life, really over the past few years, have I felt like I've found my groove doing what, what I'm doing. And, and so it's, it's nice to be able to help other people in, in kind of that same direction. So I'm going to throw out a teaser. For those of you that want the PG-13 bonus version of, of Mitchell and his college experience, we'll have, we'll have to have a part two, but I, <laughs> I, can't, air, I can't air all of those, uh, all those stories on the podcast. I, yeah. just, I love your backstory and like why you're super passionate about helping people get this right because you and I both went through the college experience. I, I would say I did it the most, like I went through college, but I went through in three years. I stayed mm-hmm. at home. I worked the whole time. I end up getting like six or nine credits for doing entrepreneurial stuff. So do I like, am I grateful for, for college when what I learned in the classroom? Not really, but college for me gave me just the, the freedom yep. to be able to say yes to the things that really moved the, the meter for me as it relates to, to like getting ahead. And, it, and when I look back, it was like all about experience. Yeah. When, when I remember thinking about Praxis and looking into you, your program when I was thinking about college, it was, it was essentially this. It was like, learn the EQ skills, the leadership skills, communication skills. I'm not talking about communication 101, <laughs> like how to actually communicate well. Like every single person needs those skills. Yep. And then newsflash, like go work for someone and like work in a field that you might like and get paid for that. Mm-hmm. And it, back in the day, I'm not sure if it's still this way, but the, the kind of the pitch was you're going to make enough money to pay for the program. Yep. Net cost of zero. You earn more than the tuition before you graduate. So like, why aren't more people doing this? Like, why are you guys not having like hundreds of co- competitors daily in this space? I think because it's hard. It's, it's hard. First and foremost, what we do is, is difficult, but I think it's also, it's a good testament of the wrong thinking about the world that is, is popular. And, you know, I, I could go into like what other people are doing, like the other people's, the, the big scheme, as far as like competitors is we, we don't really have a ton of people that are like, I want to go be an alternative to college. What you do see, if you go start, you know, on the, on the rabbit trail is a lot of other people who say, you know, we need to fix college. We need to make it different. And it's like, no, what you need is a different solution. I think that it's just silly really is if you take like an economic or entrepreneurial standpoint on the world, like, like I do is like, there should be different options for different people with different needs. Right. There, there should be a competitive marketplace of ideas and yep. solutions based on the results people are trying to achieve. And the fact of the matter is like, most people are told to go to college when that's like, that's like being handed a wrench when you need a hammer. That's not the right tool for the job they're trying to do. 
And I, I think that this is also what makes it such a personal thing for me is, is the, the, the job most young adults struggle with is what do I want to do? What's good for me? How do I go get started strong? That's a tough thing to figure out. And it's so personal for me because I, ha- I was the overachiever that had my entire life planned out until I got to college and I got out on my own. And suddenly it's like, one, there are all these different options. Two, there are all these different distractions. And three, like I've never really thought deeply about what I'm good at, what I like to do, what I want to do. All I've done is responded to expectations for me. And I see this every day and, and, and hear it so many times in conversations with young adults. And, and it just, you know, I don't want to sound like cheesy or sappy here, but it does break my heart. Like I have, I want to give people a hug. It's like, you know what? There's something else out there. Like get, cut yourself some slack. You don't have to have it all figured out right now. And, and in fact, like you probably won't in 10 years, you're going to continue down this process of, of personal discovery. So like, we want to help you build that bridge from where you're at to a little bit more clarity and, you know, a strong starting point in your, in your life. It's, it's funny. Yesterday, someone asked me a question about like houses and mortgage payments and my philosophy there. And they're like trying to memorize the answer. And I'm, and I'm saying, guys, I am literally a broken record. Like, this is how I think about the world. Number one, number one, get really clear on where you want to go. Number two, analyze what you're currently doing. So in money, it's like, look at the cash flow coming in, look at where it's going and look at your strategies on where you're saving and investing. And is, is that best helping you where you want to go? Yeah. You're buying a house. What, look at that scenario. The same thing goes with college. Absolutely. Let's get clear on what you want to accomplish and then analyze, is this thing, is college, is you know going to a tech school, is going to Praxis, is going working for free for someone that you admire for a year, whatever that is, what's that activity? What's that activity that's going to help you best show up for the future? And I'll just play like devil's advocate with you. I, it's not like I'm anti-college. <laughs> I, yeah. There's a lot of people that are, that are going to college that are going to be able to make more money that by that activity, it's going to get them in the door. And they're, they're super clear on that. I would say the majority of people are spending just insane amount of money on something that's not going to like, we talk about investments, like you're spending insane amount of money and never going to see that money back. And in fact, those four or five, and I have a friend that has on six years, it's the lost opportunity cost, my friend of just being six years, like almost dumbing your brain down because of the the people that you're surrounding yourself with could affect your lifetime potential of, of helping people. It's again, like I think about college the same way I think about buying a house, the same thing, the way I think about investing in my money. Yeah. And, and to a degree, I'm not anti-college either. It'd be the same way as me, like saying like, I'm anti-wrenches because I need a hammer. You know, it's like, it's about like recognizing the right tools for the outcomes. Now today, the college environment, that's a whole other conversation about like the dominant ideas and themes that are being, you know, preached there, which put that to the side, like even, even just a matter of like, you know, the opportunity cost is one, one factor. The financial aspect is another factor, but I'll use your story as an example. You did it right from, from my perspective. You did it right because you had an objective. You had a goal of here's what I want to get out of this. And when you know what you're trying to do, it, it's no longer a matter of like college or not. It's like, what's the best use of you know my next two, three, four years? That removes college 
from the scenario altogether. That may be a, a good component to add, but you may also want to add in some like mentorship experience, internship experience. It becomes a matter of like figuring out what the best use of your time and the best tools to, to maximize that use of your time. The financial thing is another big scenario too, though. If you're going, if you are someone who has to take out debt, be very intentional and, and certain that this is the right move. And, and like it, it behooves you to spend a little bit of time thinking about that. One of the things I, I think about is like, I think you'll learn more valuable lessons, you know, figuring out how to pay for college and graduate without student debt than you will in the classroom. Yep. Like if, if you're just like, if you go through that thought experiment, it will force you to think critically in a way that just sitting in classes, it's not required to be successful in college. So I don't want to come off as like, I'm huge anti-college. It's just not the right tool for, for the, the job many people are, are trying to get done. Well, and if you look at the inflation that we've been experiencing just in our world, it's, it's been a problem. But then you look at like compared to colleges and the prices, it's like, wow, like this is yeah. insane. Yeah, they're still going up. Like colleges all across the country moved online over the past year in response to the governmental response to coronavirus. And a lot of them increased tuition, like the gall you have when, when you know, but people are going to continue to pay. They feel like they, they have, that's the rite of passage they need in order to access higher earnings or whatever other narratives they've been told their entire life. And so like, of course, the demand still exceeds the supply there. So people are going to keep paying for college, whether it's the smart idea or not. But. Right. And really the value of college, it's just like Bitcoin. It's just like the stock market. It's valuable because other people are willing to say it's valuable and yeah. put their money behind it. Do you see a trend of companies to say, oh, listen, you don't need a four-year degree anymore? Because I've heard some people say now the master's degree is the new bachelor's. And it's like, oh, okay, so... Now we're going to be like 30 years old before we get into the workforce. And so what are you, how are you seeing this? Because it, obviously you're in the trenches yeah. and like, what, what are you seeing as far as trends go companies? Because at the end of the day, the moment that companies start saying, you know what, we're actually, I know this is going to sound crazy. Don't throw me out here. We're going to hire the, the best person for the job. It's like, and if they're willing to be open-minded, I think colleges are super vulnerable Yeah, and it's going to make the colleges like Harvard and Stanford way valuable, right? But it's yep. going to make the, the 80% schools like what I went to like very vulnerable because it's like, why would I pay money to go to an average school when I could take a year or two and do something like a Praxis and just actually be more qualified and, and have yeah. a better portfolio to show my work? Yeah. So I think part of it comes down to hiring processes. Most hiring processes generally suck. They're very bureaucratic and they're designed as filters. They're not designed to find and seek out and prioritize the highest quality candidates. What they, they are designed instead is to filter out anyone that that is does not meet the bare minimum requirements. And so this is where a lot of the common arguments about like, well, you need a college degree, you know, all these jobs say it. It's like, no, that's that's true if you apply the normal way. But like, also, if you're going to take an unconventional route in life, you better be prepared to, to take on, you know, go to unconventional measures to the burden of proof is now on you if you're going yeah. against the grain. Now, if you're willing to work harder and get creative, Degree requirements, 99% of the time, do not matter. Companies don't care about that. What they care about is signal, the signal and the substance behind that signal. So this is why Ivy League schools are going to continue to be you know, sought after and, and think of it almost like Veblen goods, like they are luxury products. Is It's not necessarily the education there that you're paying for. It is the substance of the signal that they still have, at least right now. I think that 
the signal does become a little bit watered down if the price continues to increase because it's like now we're playing this class game of like only really, really elite wealthy people can afford this um, even to gain admissions. So, so you, you reduce the signal over time at a certain cost. I don't know what that dollar figure is, but what I know now is that if you can get into an Ivy League school, having a degree from there really doesn't matter. The admissions is the signal. It's like I was good enough to get into Harvard or Stanford or whatever. Like that's the signal. Yeah. That's the signal employers care about. Is like the colleges do the filtering, and that has that was part of the you know kind of the you know you, you see these trends in like the fifties through probably nineties where there's this mass massive diaspora from like blue collar to white collar jobs and and like company you did have to have a degree. That was the cost of admissions and. Employers like that because it did the filtering for them. It may it lifted the burden. Now, not every company has the infrastructure or human capital to have the luxury of an overly drawn out, painfully, overly bureaucratic hiring process. Some of them are just like, we're small, we're scrappy, we got to find somebody, butts in seats, we got to find somebody who wants to come and hustle and work. And so you know what they're always looking for talent and they don't care how it's packaged they don't care about degrees and and I will tell you that over the past decade people care less and less of that about that and then sometimes it's like you have a degree but you have no work experience that's a negative signal to me you're probably going to be a terrible employee you've never created value for anybody so i would say that it's going in two different directions where some signals are going to continue to be more sought after but at the same time like more and more of the typical jobs, people just don't care about that because if everybody has a degree, it's really no use to anybody else. And that's where you've seen like what you're talking about, the master degree thing is like a lot of employers can be selective because if everybody has a bachelor's degree, the only way to stand out is to have, you know, some other better signal. So people are going to get a master's. And so employers are like, we have, we have the control, we have the job, so we can demand these things. You know, what's interesting to me is and this is going to be kind of a weird story, but I almost wish I could go back and play Little League Baseball, or I wish I could go back when I played ping pongs semi-competitively because I was not confident as a 13-year-old kid. Like, I was a pretty good, quote-unquote, eye-hand coordination, but I had zero confidence. Yeah. And that translated into, like, getting into school. Like, man, I was so nervous for college because I was so afraid to fail a test. Like, I'm embarrassed to tell you this now because I'm like, if I wouldn't back, I would turn into a horrible student. I said no to some business trips because my professor said, if you go, if you're, if you don't get attendance, like you're going to get dinged. And I was like, I'm ashamed to say this, but I graduated with honors kind of deal. I was that, yeah. I was that student. And, and so I'm like, man, I wish I had more confidence because I, it's, I'm looking back and I'm saying, if I only knew what I knew now, but the problem is when we're 17 years old, 16 years old, and we're starting to think about college, like it's so ingrained that this is what we need to do that we're not, there's not, alternatives aren't even like, that's kind of taboo. It's, it's not yeah. a, if you should go to college, it's a, what are you going to do when you hit college? And, and I just think, I just want to point that out because I think things are changing, but still, if I put myself in, in those shoes, like the reason I didn't do Praxis is I was afraid and it was like unknown. And I was like, it was, I kind of felt like people would look down on me. And I, quite frankly, I didn't necessarily think I had the chops. I probably wouldn't even been accepted in the program, to be honest. But it's just, it's just interesting how like you look back and I wonder if you have any stories like that where it's like, okay, I'm empathetic, but I'm like, man, if I could do one thing, like my kids, if, if God blesses me with kids someday, I, I'm 
man, I'm going to pour my heart and soul into them and raise them to be big thinkers. And if they want to go to school, awesome. But I'm, I'm, I'll be shocked if college is a thing in 25 years. Yeah, I fully expect my children would probably be like, well, I have all the tools and opportunities afforded to me because my dad has done the heavy lifting for me. Like, that's my goal if I ever have children where it's just like, why would I ever go to college? That would be two steps back for yeah. me, uh, you know, but but in my experience, you know, thinking back, like it, it was it was never even a thought to do something different. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the tight, like little bubble that I lived in growing up, you know, like my mom's a teacher. My sister was a teacher. My sister-in-law's a teacher. My aunt's te- Everybody's a teacher. I was very into the, the education ecosystem. Now they're all great teachers. I probably had opportunities. You know, my mom gave me opportunities that other students didn't have. And, and I'm not, you know, poo-pooing the education system at all. That's a different episode, my thoughts there. But, but I'm more so saying that, that the plan for me was already laid out years in advance. And so yep. by, the, by the time I got to college, it was a lot of frustration because there weren't alternatives. The only alternative or option that I saw in front of me was surviving through to the end. And it was like, for me, that was tough because I was a star student. And when people ask me today, like, would you go to college knowing what you know now? Well, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't go if I knew now, but like, also I don't think that I would be as passionate or have the insight or the background or context to do what we do now. Like I had to suffer through that. I had to see the ugly parts of college. I had to experience those frustrations. I had to go through all those to kind of light the fire for building the business that we're building today. Now, I probably could have learned all the things that I got from college and my experience without going, but I would have missed out so much on so much of the rich, like the rich internal conflict that is required to be somebody who's like, I want to go start a business, which is like, you know, kind of a risky thing, even in today, like to be like, I want to, I want to step outside of the crowd and go blaze this trail and build a business that like, you know, is somewhat controversial to a lot of people still. And I feel like we could, could beat that horse all day long. <laughs> I want to talk about two questions that are on my mind. Question number one is if you're in college, if you're college age and the people that you've seen be successful, what are the traits that they have? What are the people that have really thrived in your program? And talk about like why like how Praxis is set up to help people thrive, whether you go through Praxis or not. And by the way, I believe we have a special link to send everyone to if you want to learn more. Like I'm really excited. Like I really want to push people to here if you're at all even thinking that Praxis might be something that you want to look into. Um, so I want I want to give them a little context. And then the part two to that question is, what do you see being the number one toxic thing? And I know this is going to be challenging for you, but what, what do you see the number one toxic thing in the, our education system? Because mm-hmm. if people are going, because there's still going to be people that go, how highlight those things that, to be aware of, uh, because you're right, there is an agenda, high-level agenda that's being pushed at a lot of these universities that I think overall there's a reason why there's a push to make college free. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So, so first back to the link, like if you are interested at all, go check out discoverpraxis.com slash better wealth as a thanks to Caleb and for being a listener of better wealth free book there. Plus if you go on to apply after you learn more, we will automatically apply $1,000 scholarship discount to your tuition. So go check out better wealth. Love to uh, consider your application. So as far as your questions go, successful attributes of people, you know, have gone through a program. I'll preface this by saying that our program has come a long way and that I don't think it's, it's, 
there was a time in the past where success in the program was very dependent on the individual. So you had to come in with these right attributes and like, it had to be somebody who was kind of like a little bit, you could survive on your own. And that's, that's with any, any early stage product is like, you know, you need people to go through a lot, but today I would say that it's less dependent on an individual being the type of person that you could pick out in a class of 30 people in a small town and be like, Oh, that's the most likely to succeed person. You don't have to be that person to succeed going an unconventional route. And we have intentionally designed a program to, to meet people where they're at and help them go start strong. Now, the, the attributes that we, we look for, and I think we prize is one, a demonstrated track record of work ethic. And that does not always mean formal work experience. That means like you started things, you saw them through to completion, you did projects, you have volunteer work, you have clubs, maybe it is formal work experience that we love formal work experience for, for people who are, you know, 16 to mid twenties. Um, that's probably your most valuable thing. Also intellectual curiosity. What are you somebody who is obsessed with ideas? You're always trying to level up. You're, you're out there like hungry to learn and improve yourself. And again, that takes many different ways, shapes, and forms. It, it doesn't mean you have to be somebody who's, who reads voraciously and listens to tons of podcasts, though that's a very obvious way. You could be somebody who just like, you have a craft that you're really good at and you are enamored with and you are obsessed with getting better at that craft. That craft. Like for instance, we had a, we had a participant uh, alumni now who, who was very into breeding rabbits. And she, she came and that was one of, I remember this interview still, this is why the power of stories are so important is she was telling me about, you know, breeding rabbits and how over several years she had bred this, this very specific new color in, in her rabbits. And this was like something she was obsessed with. And I was like, this is somebody I want in our program. They're going to crush it because like they, it, it's a certain mindset that is embedded in that story. It's like, you are obsessed with making things better, like in learning and figuring out how to improve. Those are probably the two most important attributes is the work ethic and the intellectual curiosity. Everything else is like bonus on top of that. But if you have those two things, you're going to be successful. And, and you, you may not even be need our program or college to be successful. Though if, if you, go, you choose to come through our program, it's probably going to be easier than going out on your own. The second question is, is such a tricky one with, with college. I think that the number one thing is just, it, it has such a demand for conformity. And I think that that is only getting stronger. And, and I think that it's now in the present state, it's becoming this demand for ideological conformity, not just conform to the rules. When I was in college, it wasn't so much like up in your face, ideological conformity, though that was, there were undertones of that. It was more so like, you have to jump through hoops to, you know, in order to be successful. Like, you know, like I had this, this story about a professor that we were at odds because I'd set the curves on his test. I'd never come and he wouldn't give me an A. And I was like, well, why not? And he said, you know, because you never came to class and their participation points awarded. And I was like, no, no, the way college works is like your job is to stamp that I have mastery of a, of a subject matter. Clearly I do if I can do it without coming to class. And that was the conformity that was really prevalent. That still exists. But that was conformity when, when I was going to college, you know, decade ago. Today, it's like, if you don't have the same ideas about as me, then you are going to have a tough time here. And that is a very tough environment 
for a young person who who's trying to figure out what they believe to be in. Whether the ideas that that are being forced are good or bad or not, that's an entirely separate discussion. Yep. It is not a good environment for somebody who is trying to try on different ideas and see what fits to, to be, you know, it's not a safe environment to learn and, and try new ideas and make mistakes and like learn from those mistakes. We learn by trying things, figuring out what works for us and abandoning bad ideas. And, and it's just, it's a bad environment for you to go out if you're not already sure exactly what you want and you have a little bit of a firm footing about what you believe. Without getting super political on here, I think it's very, very damaging when regardless of how radical you think viewpoints are, that it becomes hate speech, it becomes racist, it becomes we can't have this conversation. It's like we love free speech as long as it's our philosophy. <laughs> And again, it's one of those things where it's, it's you know, there's a car counter argument to say, listen, like wherever you are, be bold. And um, I, think, I think you and I both share a lot of the same viewpoints as it relates to just think differently. And we have a lot of good mutual friends that are out there, not the most popular right now, but keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> they, they keep, they're, they're fighting the good fight. Um, man, there's so many things. There's so many things I want to say. I want to, I want to touch on the Babylon Bee. They, uh, they wrote, Seven reasons you must go to college if you want to be successful. Obviously, if you're not familiar with the Babylon Bee, we'll make sure that we include the link uh, below because I, I think it's hilarious. And they, they give seven reasons. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite one out of the seven? I, I, uh, I, I like the second one. And obviously, the Babylon Bee is like this, like they, it's like satire kind of deal. And they said, you'll amass mounds of crippling debt, which is a great life lesson in poor decision making. So I guess like you'll crush that. It's like uh, in the interview, but in any any one out of the seven that uh, made you laugh. What is the one about uh, spending the night, you know, hovering over the toilet or binge drinking? Yeah, it, number it, three, you might meet your future spouse passed out in a puddle of vomit at a party. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know my my college experience, as we alluded to earlier, was was kind of on the other end of the extreme of like somebody who really knew what they were trying to get and like making the most. I was like wasting time being a an, an idiot. We'll just summarize it at that. <laughs> you and but I like, had very different college experiences. <laughs> but but you know you look across the country right now, and I've I've had this conversation with young adults too, and it's like I don't want to miss out on the social experience, and it's like well how. Is that social experience worth a hundred thousand dollars of student debt now? And then you know, even if we don't compound that, and and the factor in the opportunity costs, like you're, there's so much more valuable use of your time than being a degenerate for four, for four to six years. You know, this is because I'm weird this way. I want to create a college calculator, opportunity cost calculator, and and just hear me out. This this is actually very simple. You put in and so in any time you compare something, you need to compare to an alternative. Okay, yeah. so you you put in time and money to it. I think of it as an investment. You put time and money into a into a box. I don't. Okay, and then for that, what kind of result does it get you? It will get you potentially higher pay, whatever, all the stuff. And the alternative is even if you you know like say you make less. I'm not, I'm not saying that you go work with someone like Praxis that can actually help you make more money. I'm just saying like, if you start factoring in the four or five years of, especially on the front end of compound interest, and you factor in experience, and you factor in actually making money and starting to invest, I'm just curious. I, I don't actually know what the solution is. And I'm not saying like, just put your head down and like work a minimum wage job. Although 
I saw a sign that McDonald's is hiring for $18 an hour. So oh I don't know. Maybe, I might pick up a part-time job at uh, that's, uh, that's McDonald's. That's three or four times what I, I made. <laughs> I was eight. gutting chickens for like half that. And so I'm just wondering, like, this is how my brain thinks. Like we're putting, we're, we're creating some calculators and I'm just obsessed with like showing people alternative ways of thinking. And I'm wondering how much you'd have to make or what experience you could make or how it would highlight maybe being up the college quote unquote experience or credibility in two years rather than four, what that would actually do over a 60 year time period to yourself, your family, your legacy, yeah. your ability to invest, your ability to impact other people. Uh, we might have to collaborate on a, on a calculator. Oh yeah. I, I, I love a good calculator. I know I've built out several different Excel models to, to, to think through this in the past. And e even if you don't factor in like investment growth or anything like that, like the break even point, of like going to college is, is something like it takes like 20 some years or, or something like that. And, and, you know, that's don't quote those numbers because it's, there are all these variables, but, but still like today, one of the crazy statistics that, that I, I read recently, this is just baffles me is that the average, just we're talking averages here, the average college graduate today with the average debt load that they're graduating with, which is somewhere between 30 and 40 has been this movie number for the past few years. The average college graduate with the average student debt load today will be 45 years old before they pay off their student debt. That is insane. Yeah, that's insane. And bankruptcy can only do so much, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you, can't, you can't become bankrupt on, and, and get out of student debt. But I'm sure the government will bail us out somehow, Mitchell. Oh my gosh. So let's, let's talk about money, philosophy 101, and then we got to wrap this up. And um, again, I, I just want to highlight your generosity. I, I believe I heard you right. They go to discoverpraxis.com slash better wealth. You're going to yep. give a free book. And if you want to apply, and I don't think there's any, I mean, obviously make sure you do like le learn more about Praxis. But if you apply and you get accepted, you're going to give them $1,000 off their already very inexpensive tuition. Yep. Wow, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's our pleasure, you know, uh, coming on shows like this, coming, you know, getting in front of people who, you know, you have a captive audience of people who, you know, with the ideas that you talk about, one, it shows that if people are listening to your podcast, they're already, you know, taking their education into their own hands, which is a, is a, that's, that's a big indicator for us. And, and two, it's, it's the, the quality of the ideas too, is if you are consuming quality ideas and you're taking your education into your own hands. Like those are the type of people we want to work with and that are going to be wildly successful and make us look good in the long term as they go on to have wildly successful careers. So, yep. So, so Mitchell, Money 101, I know that this is not like your number one focus, but I'm telling you, like, you and I, the reason why we connected so well is like, oh, someone else thinks the same way. I probably articulated things that you didn't articulate and you, you helped me articulate some things that I didn't articulate well. But, if you had to like transfer how you think about money, how would that be in, in a nutshell? There are probably a, a handful of like tried and true big ones. I mean, you know, like I'll, I'll throw one of the big ones out there. You always hear people say this one is like, you know, what's your, your number one money advice? And they say, spend less than you make. I think that is such a dumb suggestion. I think it's scarcity mindset. And it's like, it's so pervasive because that's how everybody phrases that thing is spend less than you make. I, I personally, for me, I try to think about that as like make more than you spend. I want to have control over my circumstances. And if I want to spend more money, 
then I'm going to figure out how to make more money. It's on me to figure out this problem. And so you start approaching the world through this lens of not, you know, I can't afford this, but it's like, how can I afford this? And that opens up so many possibilities in your, in your life is having this mindset of abundance. And, and you look out and you see possibilities instead of walls. And that is like critical to the mindset of figuring out how to be of service and value to other people, because it's no longer, you know, it's no longer about your resources or your lack thereof, or like you, you being a victim, it's how can I go capture more value? How can I be a better service to this world, other people around me? That's probably number one. Can I, me. can I piggyback off that? Go, go for it. Uh, Jeff Bezos in his latest letter to the shareholders said, create more than you consume. I think that's what he said. And I was like, oh, I love that. He's like one of the wealthiest people and he's his whole five words, create more than you consume. And it's like, oh, I, I love that because it's abundant. And he's also saying like, don't, don't spend more money than you have. But like, if you're focused on reducing your spending, your mind can only be focused on one thing. And you're saying, focus on creation, value creation, instead of, you know, saving on a latte and still, you know, retiring poor. Yeah. And it's just such a limited view. And this is where I take issue with a lot of the big, you know, pundits out there, even though they have a ton of value seeing you think like the Susie Ormans, the, the Dave Ramsey's, or even like a lot of the other big, big advice is like most of their advice, uh, unfortunately is the best advice for the average person out there who just doesn't have the big rocks in place. But at the end of the day, that advice is limiting to, to a sense like you cutting all of your expenses and, and reducing your enjoyment and satisfaction out of life is not the way to create more and live abundantly. Now, you shouldn't be spending stupid money you don't have to impress people you don't like. Like, don't do those things. Nobody's saying that that's what you should do by living abundantly. Instead, it's saying, take the long view. Take, take the view of how can I get the most satisfaction out of my life? And how can I do that responsibly as a function of me being valuable and making everybody else that I encounter better off for, for, for that interaction. That's probably, I mean, that's my favorite principle about money. I love it, man. The way I inter uh, end my, all my interviews is some, a question that I think summarizes the value system that we have and summarizes the life experience that we have up until this point. And it's, it's a legacy question, which goes like this. If this is your last day on earth and you're with the people that you love the most, which congratulations on being newly married. What would you make sure to transfer in that last conversation? You can't give them anything. They can't get this interview. They can't have any of the experiences you have, but you have one last conversation. What, what are you going to make sure to communicate? I've, I've told my wife for a long time, you know, since, since we started dating jokingly, like someday when I die, I'm going to have to give you the password to all my, my Google Drive and my notes apps where I have been journaling and writing, you know, all my writing for the past decade and all my thoughts about the world. So, so that'll probably be included in my, you know, my finalist, my will and, and things. So they have access to that and they can go down that cycle babble. But if it was just a conversation, I think my family knows that I love them. Everybody knows that I love them. They know that, but it would be the imparting wisdom of like, what do I wish I would have learned earlier? And it's that the easiest thing in the world is to be like everybody else. But there is a reason we're all different and unique and have our own rich tapestry of experiences and, and perspectives. Lean into that. That is the hardest and most fulfilling work and the most valuable thing you can do for this world and the other people around you is be yourself. Lean into that own you know, uniqueness and go chase it down because that's what's going to lead you to the most fulfilled, best version of yourself, to the most, you know, the most 
most amount of value you can create for the world and others around you. And I wish I would have learned that a lot earlier. I really appreciate that, man. You are taking the, not the, the wide beaten path, but you're, you're taking an alternative route and you're serving a lot of people and you're making people like me think and, and be better. And so thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm, I'm really glad that we could make this, this happen. And I just, again, appreciate you. How can people stay connected to who you are? I know that you're going to be cranking out a lot of content, including books in the future. That's number one. And then discoverpraxis.com slash better wealth to actually get in on, on your free book and potentially apply for an experience that could add a ton of value to your life. Yeah, no, and right back at you. I appreciate you know, all the content and, and ideas you put out in the world too. So as, as far as like checking out, what I would recommend is, you know, check out Praxis if this this resonates with you or you think it's something that, you know, your kid or niece or nephew or any other you know, the young people in your life would be interested in. And, and if you want regular content like this, we have a, a twice per week newsletter called The Playbook. I write advice exclusively about education, careers, and money for young adults, young professionals just getting started. You can find that at newsletter.discoverpraxis.com. Mitchell, thank you, man. Yeah, you bet, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.